Hello, once the crack comrades <laughs> are back with another episode. Yes, hi, I'm Casey. I'm Sam. Uh, so, this week we have a winter-themed episode. It's Christmas-themed. It, there's because... one Christmas scene in it. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it happen like it's all based around Christmas, is it not? I wouldn't say that. Okay, whatever. But if you wished, you could interpret this as a late Christmas episode. It's a Christmas movie. It's called All That Heaven Allows. Yes. It's from 1955, directed by Douglas Sirk and starring Jane Wyman and Rock Hudson. Yeah, Rock Hudson's in it. He is. (laughs) Uh, Okay, what is this movie about? This movie is about this woman whose husband has recently died and she's like, I mean, she's not like still upset about it. She's like moving on with her life and everyone's like all her friends and stuff. She's kind of like a a, like high society lady and all her friends are like telling her to get a TV to like stop being lonely and stuff. She's in the like, I think it's New England. She's in these like upper middle class New England suburbs. Mm-hmm. But they have like fancy clothes and um, they have a country soirees club. and country clubs and that <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, all her friends are like, oh, you need to like get out of the house and do something or watch it, get a TV so you're not bored all the time. Um, and then she meets her gardener, who's this guy played by Rock Hudson, who like trims her trees and stuff. And they get to talking and turns out they fall in love. It's very cute. It is. Um, and so she wants to marry him. And she tells, first she tells her friends about it. And her friends are like, or what her best friend is like, people are going to say because like the gardener had been in their life before the husband died people are going to be like oh my god you're cheating with your husband cheating on your husband with this gardener hmm. and so she's like don't marry this guy because it's going to fuck everything up and her kids meet Brock Hudson's character and they're like we hate him he's a gardener and a loser and he only wants you for your money <laughs> his name is Ron Kirby I think yes Ron Kirby yeah so like her friends think it's a bad idea um her kids hate the guy so she's like you know what let's just call this off but then they're both super unhappy because they actually did really like each other one of the big conflicts is like she um wanted to move into his house and her kids are like this is the house we grew up in it's gonna be so terrible how could you just like get rid of this house (laughs) and she was like okay she calls off the engagement and then her kids are like, oh, her daughter's getting married and her son is like going away for work or whatever. So they're like, oh, we should sell the house anyway. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? It's so I just broke up. I just broke up with the love of my life because you guys are like, we need this house. And then you're just like, oh, we're never going to use it again. So let's just sell it. It was awful. <laughs> her yeah. kids are assholes. <laughs> But yeah, then she decides that, you know what, Rock Hudson is worth it. So she goes to get him back. Um, uh, but but it's, kinda... it's very melodramatic because this is yes. melodrama. So 
she like shows up at his house but he's it like up a hill like hunting in his big because he lives in the middle of nowhere so he's just hunting like in his back garden but he's up a hill and he sees her um walking away from his door and getting into the car because she's kind of changes her mind and he's like trying to get her attention and yelling at her from the hill <laughs> and then because it's snowy and stuff this is a winter movie he like slips and falls off a cliff it's a very dramatic very, very heartbreaking and, and he like almost dies yes even though it was like it was like a 20 foot drop it was yeah, but he was much. like in the snow so he could have died from the cold he was in the snow for like 10 seconds. Like yeah, his friends was because he was right lucky. there. No, that he could have been what? left there. For I think he could have gotten ever. up immediately because it really wasn't <laughs> a big <laughs> But yes. Um, so he's like getting taken care of. And one of their mutual friends goes to find her at her house. And she's like, oh, my God. Um, Rock Hudson fell off a cliff. That's his <laughs> you name. Yeah. <laughs> you have to come see him. He's like sick. And so she goes and they reunite and she takes care of him. And that's it. Yes. So we've kind of we've kind of skipped over some of the like main conflict of the story, which is it's not just the it is what you've mentioned about the cheating that people would speculate that she had already been with him even though this is the first time she's like properly talked to him he's kind of existed in the background before this uh Mm -hmm. there's also some stuff about him being a gardener and her having money but notably there's some stuff about a quote-unquote age difference yes i mean she does look like slightly older than him i guess i'm not good at telling the ages of white people so i don't know <laughs> if, you were, if you were to speculate how, how old would you say they both are i would say she was like in her 40s and he was like mid 30s maybe mm-hmm. so in the book which i read it they, she tells us explicitly that she is 42 and he is 35 so that's a seven year age difference and like uh, nothing. <laughs> yeah. In real life, uh, Jane Wyman, I believe, was 38. And Rug Hudson was either 29 or 30. I'm actually not sure. Any, either way, it's like not a lot. <laughs> Especially when you're like, once you get to your late 20s, it like kind of doesn't matter anymore. So, but yeah, and part of what this, we'll go into this in a bit more detail in a, in a bit more detail in a second, but there's some stuff about how it's only because she's a woman that they care about this, and how, there's mentions of men who are into like way younger girls. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's only supposedly the age difference. Uh, but okay, so let's talk about why I picked this movie and what your impressions were. So I watched this movie two weeks ago before our last Christmas episode, just for fun. I had seen it before, but I really wanted to rewatch it in the winter. And then I was like, this is the best movie ever made. I need to talk about it. (laughs) And so I forced Casey to make an episode about it. What made you think it was the best movie ever made? Like, what was so appealing about it, it to you? It's so pretty. It invented <laughs> romance. Uh huh. Understandable. Yes. Uh. So, what was what did you think of it? I also thought it was very pretty. Invented romance. I love old time. Like, I used to think I didn't like romance because I think modern romance movies are very boring mm. and very like formulaic formulaic and like shallow and 
shitty. So I used to think I didn't like romances. But this, like, um, old-timey, like, chivalry-type stuff, I think is very cute, and it's fun to watch. And so I really liked it. And I love Christmas, and I love winter. So, yeah. Okay. What did you think about Rug Hudson and about Jane Wyman? This was your first for both of them, right? You've never seen them before in anything? Yes. I thought they were great. I understand why everyone was so into Rock Hudson. I, like, get it. Rock Hudson (laughs) was six foot four. Um, Yeah. I I don't know. I thought they were good at it. I like them. Mm. Were you aware that Jane Wyman was Ronald Reagan's first wife? I wasn't. Interesting. Yes. Very interesting. (laughs) How does that relate to this movie? Does it? I don't know. <laughs> I kept thinking about Reagan a lot during my research for this. Because uh, Rock Hudson was also good friends with the Reagans, which is unfortunate. Anyway, okay, so some things I would like to talk about. Uh, this movie was made based on a book, which I read... So, what were the main differences? The main difference was the ending, I think. So, I'll tell you what exactly happens in the ending to the book. So, like in the movie, the television is a thing. So, Carrie gets the television. It's not portrayed exactly like in the movie where this, there's this big, like, the culmination of the conflict with her children, blah, blah, blah. And she's so lonely and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but she has a television. Then it, it's her children aren't home. She's all alone. And her television breaks so she's not able to watch it and it's kind of like i think we've all been there when the wi-fi stops working and it's like the last straw and you're like everything is terrible my life is nothing because that's like all you had going on so she has a breakdown she tries to call someone to come fix it and they're like we can't there is some snowfall so she's left home all alone Uh, And this is part of why her children aren't there because she told Kay, her daughter, to like stay away because of the snow. Anyway, and then the power goes out and there's a gas leak and she goes to investigate the gas leak, find out what's happening. She ends up getting locked into a closet and nearly dies. Oh my God. Her friend Sarah happens to come across the house and she finds her and rescues her. And then after she nearly dies, she was like, I've been a coward. I've been like wasting my life. I need to do what is important to me. And she runs back to run. This I mean, a near death experience is a much more um, like climactic reason for her like change of heart. That's crazy it's kind of so they seem to have flipped it so in the book uh, carrie is the one who almost dies and then in the movie ron is the one who supposedly almost dies uh (laughs) so what do you what do you think about this how can we read this does it have does it have like significance that they flipped Um, it i think so so one critique i found let me try to find the exact quote so i don't get it wrong i read an article that was comparing the book and the movie and this suggests that the in the movie she has less agency with the change of ending like stuff just happens around her and then she goes and she's like taking care of the man blah 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 whereas in the in the book 
she is able to make this big decision and like she takes her life into her own hands she faces up to these problems and then she gets her reward i think that's a fair reading because there were a few moments in the movie where i felt like people were telling her what she was thinking rather than her like figuring stuff out so Mm -hmm. yeah they have a point oh by the way this is from uh walter c metz in the article pompous circumstance (laughs) intertextuality adaptation and all that heaven allows uh so that we don't get sued so do you remember the stuff with her daughter Kay where she talks to her and she's like oh I've never believed in the ancient Egyptian custom of burying Mm -hmm. widows with their husbands yeah Uh, in the book during that scene she doesn't talk about Egypt she talks about the Hindu custom of burying of burning widows in funeral pyres uh, but the and the burying thing also returns later on in the book, just less like explicitly in di- in dialogue. So when she is trapped in the closet about to die, that's when she remembers this idea of being buried. So we kind of have both these two different metaphors going on in the book, whereas in the movie there is only one. I kind I think I prefer the metaphor of being buried, buried, which is why maybe they decided to make that more focal in the movie. I think it's more like it matches her being stuck in this like house on her own more than being burned does. Mm-hmm. Even if we don't have the being trapped in a closet thing. Uh, another thing. So her son Ned is a little brat, I hate it. and I hated him. Uh, interestingly, he's... He's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> interestingly, he's more explicitly, like, conservative politically in the book. And there's even a line where his sister is like, oh, you think anyone who's, who's vaguely liberal is a commie or something like that. So, yeah, fuck that guy. We hate him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did like his sister, though. I think I liked when Kay, like... L- like explicitly called him out for wanting to fuck his mom oh that yeah was that, was, that was really <laughs> fun she's she's very into Freud I also mm-hmm. I also thought she was gay in the book there's this one thing uh so she's a social worker and this she talks about this other woman who's like a bit older than her who works with her and she's so smart and she's learning so much from her blah 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 and I was like I see I see uh even though she also has her moments of being a brat mm-hmm Okay. I'm, I will forgive her, though, that the son's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Then this is really a stretch, but I wonder if there is some stuff going on in the book, which we don't really see in the movie, where Ron and his like nature-loving friends are somewhat like racialized and exoticized. So there's, some, there's a couple of moments where she talks about how he's like he's he t- she talks about his dark quote-unquote skin from being like tan and in a way that she's like i think at one point she, he comp- she compares him to a native american and then his friend alida is is described as looking exotic with slanted eyes so there's maybe this touch of like oh they're close to nature mm-hmm. and they're exotic but they're still like white enough that it's safe i felt like they did like even in the movie, make a point of mentioning that he is tan. And I think mm-hmm. in the movie, it came, up, it came across more as, like, just classism. Mm-hmm. But I think you could definitely make a point of how quick people in her life were to judge him 
which was mm-hmm. weird in my opinion, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what else? Yes, there is something that I thought was very interesting, which again is a very like, it's not a big thing, but I was like, why this change? Uh, he never smokes in the movie, does he? No, I don't think so. No, in the, in the book, he's, uh, he smokes quite often, and I'm not sure why he doesn't in the movie, because like, it's not like nowadays where it's a bigger deal for people to smoke in the movies. Back in, back in the day, they did it all the time, and Rock Hudson mm-hmm. did smoke Smoking in real life. Smoking used to be like, good for you. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what that was about. Weird. Especially because there's a couple of things in the book where she like lights his cigarette for him, which is always like the sexiest thing you can do in a movie. Then, um, what else did I have to say about the book? I suppose we can get into, so Douglas Sirk seems to have a bit of contempt for this book. Like he talks about how he thought it wasn't great. It didn't have a great story. And he had to make it better somehow. And this is also reflected in how other people talk about, like, his adaptation of the book. And also how they talk about Douglas Sirk, the director, like, the auteur, as opposed to melodrama as a genre and how he makes it better. I think there's this Mm -hmm. kind of, like, elitism going on and a bit of misogyny. Uh, Because the book... So this is a book by... What's her name? Edna Lee. Uh, I've sometimes seen Harry Lee being credited alongside her. That was her son. But then according to a footnote in an article that I read, he was only used to make the teen boy sound more authentic. So I'm not going to give him too much credit. So anyway, it was published in a woman's magazine uh, in like installments. Apparently, it was done like throughout the magazine, right. being, being interrupted by ads and other articles, which sounds really like not a great way to read a book. It sounds really annoying. But anyway, and so it's very much like aimed at housewives. And so then uh, this, the article that I mentioned earlier by Walter Metz talks a bit about the way Cirque uses Walden in the movie and how he makes a big deal out of them like name checking Walden and being like look at this intelligent book that we read this is a smart movie for intellectuals and not just for women Uh, (laughs) and Metz argues that the book is already kind of alluding to that philosophy it just doesn't feel the need to like name check it to show off how smart it is so that's interesting and then, yeah, the article talks about how Cirque has been credited a lot with like the subversive stuff that is going on in this movie and in his other movies and how he's like critiquing bourgeois society, but how a lot of this is already in the book. So we should be careful with how much credit we give him at the expense of the book. Uh, with that in mind, let's move on to some stuff about how progressive this is as opposed to how not progressive and what it has to say about class and gender what do you think i don't think it was not progressive i liked how like she was obviously the main character and she was kind of encouraged to think for herself Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like 
Brock Hudson as a character was kind of a catalyst for her personal change instead of the woman who is usually like the the like mm-hmm. person who causes someone to like learn something so i think I we know, can also in our last christmas episode we mentioned henry golding being a manic pixie dream boy i think rock hudson mm-hmm. in this movie is also very much a manic pixie dream boy. <laughs> yeah you can definitely argue that because everyone is always talking about like his friends are always praising like how um how much he knew about life even mm-hmm. though he didn't have to read it he just lived it and he was just this like amazing person who like had figured out the key to everything somehow oh by the way i thought this was really funny uh there's a scene in the book that basically confirms that he does know how to read (laughs) (laughs) she like goes into his house and she's like oh bookshelves with books i see wow he can read So literally the perfect guy he can read everything yeah as we've mentioned i think the the thing about the age gap is very much just like a red herring kind of for what it's actually about like it's not really about that it's actually about class and it's actually about these like expectations people have on women um i think both the age gap and the house were like like the age gap is like accept him and the house is the reason our kids used to not accept them but they were just both bullshit and it was really because he was a gardener and they felt like he was just not um at her level so yeah although she shouldn't, like, it, waste her time with him he, he's not really a gardener we should mention as he makes clear he's not a gardener <laughs> he's a tree farmer that's just something he does on the side Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose the difference is like he really values his independence and he wants to make it clear like, oh, I'm not just like tidying up these middle class people's gardens to make them look nice or whatever. I like care about nature. and This is my mm-hmm. life and I do it for myself. I would just like to mention, I want to thank Animal Crossing for teaching <laughs> me what a nursery is because if, if I hadn't played Animal Crossing, I wouldn't understand that a nursery is like a place where baby trees are. So shout out Animal Crossing. Thanks Great. so much. Very educational. You're teaching me about nature. Yes. Okay. Um, so, yes. Um, so it, both the book and the movie, I think, make a point of like mentioning these men in her social circle that are dating like much younger women and how that's just seen as normal. And so then when we see the like flip side of that on her, it's made abundantly clear that it's actually about her being like a woman with desires rather than the age mm-hmm. gap itself. Um, like in the first few minutes of the movie, her friend is making jokes about how um, guys over 40, like like any woman over 18 is already too old for them and seen as something to like joke about mm-hmm. but when something is like that is reversed it's suddenly like not okay um and then i also thought it was interesting they talk a bit about how society is organized and it kind of has this like heterosexuality and and like marriage is completely built into it to the extent that she is often excluded from social gatherings as a widow because she has to be paired up so it's this Mm -hmm. like this needing this needing to pair up this needing to like get married in a conventional way is very much a part of like how everything is structured how everything is organized then the flip side of this is i guess like the this the alternative life 
that is mentioned to this, we can, like uh, with the, the nature lovers, we can also argue that that's kind of, it's not really progressive, it's kind of like a move back to the traditional, if that makes sense. I guess you could argue that. And there is some stuff, like this is, this is made clear in the book again, where, she, where he talks about uh, he doesn't want to come and live with her in her house and be part of the country club, blah, 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 because he doesn't want to be kept by a woman. So it's actually like, it's not this, it's not just that he wants to opt out of bourgeois life, whatever. It's also just that he's like, I'm a man, I can't be dependent on a woman. So it's not mm -hmm. super progressive in that way. Uh, and there's kind of this this stuff about like masculinity and I think his whole life is very masculine in a way that is interesting. Uh, it also results and we can read this in a very fun way because he's played by Rog Hudson in you know you know there's this I'm pretty sure this is also in the book but it's also in the movie but it's definitely in the book the part where she's like would you want me to be a man and he's like in a way <laughs> And like, teach me how to be a man for you, whatever. In the movie, it's like one line because they're talking about how she needs, like, she needs to decide for herself what her life is mm. supposed to be. And she, yeah, she's like, do you, like, so you want me to be a man? And he's like, well, in that one way. In <laughs> one way. Uh, yeah, it's the same. Sure. Book. It's, it's kind of equating being a man with being independent, which is like, yeah. okay. Um, but I think our spin on it is more fun. Okay, I, I think we will return to this with my next point. So Casey has already se seen my outline for what the structure of this is going to be like and what our very Barely. important themes are. So the next one is queer heterosexuality. <laughs> <laughs> for someone who complains all the time about pe people queering heterosexuality, you do like to do it a lot. Listen, I think, so my hot take is that uh -huh. there's no such thing as queer heterosexuality in real life, but in fiction, <laughs> it is absolutely a thing. <laughs> okay. And I think this is a prime example. So if you follow me on Letterboxd, which you should, you will know that I have an ongoing project. I have a <laughs> list of films which are heterosexual romances, but which I think are also gay. And this is one of those films. So the ways in which this is queer, I think we can really read the whole thing as a metaphor for, for not being straight. So listen. <laughs> So like like you mentioned, like as soon as people like see see him or as soon as people like hear about them together, they're already like, oh, I, I don't like that. That's wrong. And blah, blah, blah. And then there's like the whole thing is her having to choose between like normative society and what is expected of her versus what she really wants, which is mm -hmm. to go against like society's expectations. Right. Uh, and then there's even more. There's a big contrast made between ron and between the guy that her children and everyone expects her to get married to who like mm -hmm. represents this like hetero even marriage. though wasn't that guy who like sexually assaulted her no at least in the book it's it's a different guy oh no yeah because the, the one that her kids are talking about was like older okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah so he represents the like heteronormative 
mm-hmm. versus Ron, who is like the queer alternative to this. And there's even <laughs> like she even oh my god, let me read. Hold this. on, hold on, hold on. Yes, I yes. feel like you just say in any movie where there are two choices, <laughs> one of them is the straight one, and yes. the other one is the gay one. I I, I think okay. you're onto something actually. <laughs> But let me read you this line, which I think really solidified everything for me. Where is it? Yes, okay. So Martin is her dead husband. She had loved Martin, yet she acknowledged that love had not been like this. It had not, as loving Ron did, racked and shaken her heart with wild and passionate delight. Mm-hmm. But she also feels an, some shame for this because she knows that she didn't love her husband the way she was supposed to. So really, this is like an awakening. Mm-hmm. And as we know, being woken <laughs> up is gay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I mean, I can't argue with that, honestly. Yes. And so then she has to like sacrifice all of this to try to confirm to society but she's miserable blah 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 and then in so in the book in the movie dr Sirk wanted ron to die when he fell from the mountain which i think really would have solidified this as a gay classic because everyone knows that movie <laughs> where they're like in love but then one of them is like no i can't do this and then the other one dies there you go but it would have ruined Yes, but anyway, me, this so. is this is that movie, and like the whole like his social circle can also be seen as like oh is she she goes and meets all his gay friends and she's like mm-hmm. oh this is it's so very different. Yeah, it is exactly. Mm-hmm. Are you convinced? I mean, I'm never not convinced, but I just like to force you to explain <laughs> your reasoning because. I feel like if I let you just say this is gay because I think it is, that's all that would happen. That's fair, yes. And I, But I do think it's also fair to just read it as gay because Rock Hudson is in it. I think it's very, I think it's very valid to read actors, <laughs> like read actors' sexualities into their filmography and how it affects it. And there's a big thing uh, in, like a lot of people have read Rock Hudson's like version of masculinity as gay and how exaggerated it often is mm. we can also see that in that in this movie uh there's a whole movie about this actually it's called rock hudson's home movies it's like a montage of different homoerotic bits from his movies i think it's on youtube i don't remember if it's good or not because i watched it ages ago but check it out if you're interested it sounds fun either way so yes uh okay so one fun thing to keep in mind is uh, Walden, the book, which I have never read, but I have a good idea about what it's like because I have seen the cool teen Emily Dickinson show in which John Mulaney plays Thoreau. Oh my God, I have to watch that. You need to I watch it. I don't know it. I haven't yet. It's so good. She know. listens to Mitski. Uh, she's gay. Everything it's a fun about time. it, it's like it was specifically made for me. Yes. I'll watch it right now so that's that's the extent of my knowledge of walden but you know it gives you an idea (laughs) anyway um so walden at the time that this movie was being made was being attacked by mccarthy and co as communist and un-american uh so it is interesting to that they use that book to like represent the alternative lifestyle that these people live Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I very much do not agree that Walden is communist, 
uh, but I mean, like anything was accused of being communist and un-American back in the day. Um, But I suppose like they couldn't really have it be like the communist manifesto and Alita's like, (laughs) he hasn't read it, but he lives by it. (laughs) Because that would have been too much and they would have been banned. Uh, Also, yeah, so he talks about like how he doesn't like money and he doesn't like this like bourgeois life of like living to own cars and make money and blah 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 and he he would rather like opt out of that and just live in nature which isn't again I don't think it's so much communist as it is a rejection of bourgeois society mm-hmm. and like I don't know like I feel like opting out of society isn't that great all the time like you're just I don't know it, there's there's an extent to which there it it's radical to notice that these like ideals that you've been brought up with aren't like the basis of life and aren't that great and that you can opt out of it but you're also like you're very much not trying to build anything for anyone else you're just like oh i'm 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 getting out of here self-centered and self-interested way of doing it i don't think rejecting society is the same as being a communist it's kind of like becoming the joker (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i'm actually gonna cut that out because i don't see why we need to bring up the joker in every episode i just feel like complaining about it again uh (laughs) i think we should just do an episode on the joker then yes we probably uh, that just sounds exhausting i don't want to do it is it would be exhausting it can be a mini episode Uh, maybe uh, subscribe to our patreon if you want to listen to our mini episode of the joker (laughs) uh okay so then i i was very interested in the way this film uses color and aesthetics because i was like this means something but I didn't know what it meant because I'm dumb and I haven't been to film school. So <laughs> I read an article which does try to read something into it. So this is by Ryan Powell. It's called Putting on the Red Dress, Reading Performative Camp in Douglas Sirk's All That Heaven Allows. And this isn't like the, it talks about quite a few things, but one of the things it talks about is the way the film uses the color red, which in the 50s was code for transgression. Obviously communism, communism has always been associated with the color red and also according to him, homosexuality, which isn't like the most obvious color for it. Like you would think pink or lavender, sure, but red, I've never heard of that, but apparently in the 50s, it was somewhat of a thing. And obviously these, like communism and being gay were somewhat linked in the 50s, both with the lavender scare and like gay people making good spies because they could be blackmailed, which I personally think is kind of cool apart from like, <laughs> like in theory, like gay people being good spies. That's cool. I like that. We should reclaim that. But anyway, so they were very Sorry. much linked in the popular imagination. And red also represents like a refusal to hide and a a provocation to normative standards. Uh, So Carrie Mm -hmm. wears red at the beginning to the party and is seen as like sexually available. And her friends basically call her a slut. Yeah, basically. And this is when she, uh, no, no, it isn't. But anyway, yeah, everyone uh, and every, and her, her son is like, I'm uncomfortable because I kind of want to fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But then... (laughs) 
then she attracts like too much negative attention she's uncomfortable and she like leaves the party covered in a black coat then throughout Mm -hmm. the movie ron is always seen wearing a red flannel shirt uh and when when we're first introduced to him he's kind of in the background but he attracts attention because of his red shirt then uh when when she's speaking to him like the first time at uh, first she's kind of not even looking at his face she keeps looking at his chest and his red shirt because she's like transfixed by it then like all the society society scenes are kind of have this toned down color palette with beige and gray and blue versus when she goes to mick and alita's party when there's a lot of browns and reds and warm colors uh mm-hmm. and then when they go to be in like when when she tries to introduce ron to society in the second country club scene they're both wearing black to try to like conform to society yeah yes and so in this way we have like a link to communism and also to being gay and we can <laughs> wrap all of that together <laughs> Oh, and another thing that this guy, Ryan Powell, points out is in that scene when they're in the country club, uh, one, I think we can read this as like, so Ron doesn't want to be with her in this like imitation of a hetero, of a hetero relationship. He's like, no, I want to live, live with my, my gay friends and you're just trying to conform to society, blah, right. blah, blah. Uh, but also there is a line where someone is like, oh, Carrie, is this your friend? <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like, I feel like that line makes it canonically gay. Because yes. Obviously. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So I'm there convinced. you go. He's gay and a <laughs> communist. So I wanted to say that one of the reasons this movie was made was because Rock Hudson and Jane Wyman had paired up for the movie Magnificent Obsession, which was also by Douglas Sirk, and that was very popular. And so this was kind of treated as almost like a sequel of that, as a chance to see them again. Uh, If you have not seen Magnificent Obsession, you can check it out if you're interested in more of these like melodrama movies or in any of these people specifically. But I found it very weird. It's like about being a good person, but also kind of in a cult way. It's weird. Uh, yes. It's like there's a cult of being a good person. Okay. Yes. I was uh, going to say, never mind. What were you going to say? I was going to say like a religion, but like that, I don't want to. No, but it's not. It's not like a religion. (laughs) It's like top secret and you kind of have to be like indoctrinated into it. And it's like someone's like, hey, have you heard of this secret club that we have? And Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. But yeah, weird movie, but maybe check it out if you're interested. Okay, I also wanted to mention, this is part of my gay reading of this movie, is when Carrie and Ron go to the country club and he's kind of introduced to the society, they are both like sexualized in a way that we could read as like, specifically if we were to see them as a lesbian couple, like Mm-hmm. Carrie is immediately like sexually assaulted by this man because he's like oh I see what you're into like you must be sexually available to me and even all the women who are like they look at Ron and immediately start making comments about how good he must be in in, in bed mm-hmm. we can see this as an extension of that uh okay any other thoughts on like the aesthetic of this movie um I don't know I think now that you mention it I do 
see that difference of not even just in the party scenes but like her general high society like life and friends being very cool toned and like everything to do with him his house like wherever he is it was very warm um especially his like the flower mill that he like decorated and just every time they were in there it was just a very like warm inviting space so mm-hmm. yeah it was interesting to see that um contrast uh, I think I've also read, so there's a lot of talk about how Douglas Sirk uses mirrors and reflections. And I think the, the there's two famous scenes in this movie, one where she's like staring into her reflection in the beginning, uh, which is supposed to be a hint that women have interiority. <laughs> <laughs> Shocker. Anyway, and and then another one uh, when the television is given to her at the Christmas party and you and and it's sort Mm -hmm. of you see her reflected in the television. It's like she's staring at the image of her loneliness. Yes, it's very dramatic. I like that scene. Uh, like looking at the worst version of herself yes and then uh, this other article that i read i forgot which one it was this will all be in the show notes everything that i read uh mentions that there's kind of her house has a lot of mirrors and there's like mirrors around the fireplace uh reflecting that trophy that her husband had and in contrast to this ron's my cabin house has this big window looking into nature so like one of its more artificial and one of them is more like Mm -hmm. real yes sure any other thoughts on the aesthetic i thought it was very pretty and i think we need to bring back technicolor oh yeah i feel like technicolor movies always look better yes and fucking all these Marvel movies, they're all gray. <laughs> it's like, it's dark. I know, it's actually so disgusting no how now, it's disgusting how now everyone's like, oh, let's take color out of movies. Like, I'm sorry, what happened where we decided we were sick of seeing colors? I didn't agree to that. And not even like in black and white, which is fine. I like a good black and white movie, but it's just, just muted drab. and like ugly. Yeah. Yes. Bad, and bad. Awful. I want to enjoy looking at the movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, I remembered while we were talking that, so I talked about how him not wanting to come live with her can be seen as just this like misogynistic thing and him wanting to be a man and blah, blah, blah. But also we could argue that there is some like equality and um, compromise in their relationship sort of represented by the cabin that he wants to get rid of entirely and he wants to live in the nursery and she's like no I like it and then they sort of compromise by renovating it and the same with that teapot that he, that is like broken in there and and she's like oh that's nice you could mend it and he's like no nah, it's just trash throw it out but then he listens to her and he like presents it to her as like proof that he listens to what she wants uh, so we could complicate that a little bit Okay. Do we need to talk about Ryan Murphy's Hollywood? (laughs) If you have something to say about it. I think it is bad. I hate it. (laughs) But I don't know. Let's let's talk a bit about what your impression of Rock Hudson was from Ryan Murphy's Hollywood versus from this movie. I also didn't like Ryan Murphy's Hollywood. I think Ryan Murphy is one of the most homophobic gay people that I've ever heard of. Definitely, yes. (laughs) Um, Like, I didn't 
maybe it's just because I watched it a long time ago or I wasn't paying that much attention but I felt like none of the characters in it had any personality Rock Hudson was just like a guy and he was so and he was dumb, gay but it was secret I don't think is accurate yeah so I'm not an expert on Rock Hudson by the way if anyone has any like recommendations for good biographies I always like old Hollywood biographies so let me know I haven't read any but so I think what happened in Ryan Murphy's Hollywood is he heard about Rock Hudson having trouble remembering lines, which is accurate. But then he assumed that this means that he's like super dumb and can't read <laughs> or like communicate, which I think is a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that in this movie, at least he did have he did have himbo energy. But I also, at the same time, don't think he was dumb. So I didn't know. I don't think so, no, because he was all, like, philosophical, and he knew how to, like, do things with trees. Yes. Which is pretty And like sexy. you said in the book, he knew how to read, so, yes. you know. <laughs> he did know how to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the book, actually, he, he kind of has more of a sense of humor, which I thought was interesting. Uh, I don't think he does in the movie at all. Um, but, yeah, the book, I think the the pinnacle of this is the ending of the book is kind of just Carrie like showing up and being like I'm home but in, in the movie I mean sorry but in the book uh in the ending when she goes back to him the, the like the last line is she leaves the the door to the barn open and is like close the door anyone would think you live in a barn so it like ends with <laughs> them joking so I don't know Aww. I don't know why they felt the need to take out his sense of humor uh finally rug hudson was six foot four (laughs) i just want to make it clear that i am not attracted to rock hudson i can just say i can see why people are he's just a guy so i think it's interesting i think it's very dependent on the movie i do think he was like objectively hot but he was hotter in some movies than others and i think this movie is the one where he's hottest because he's like chopping trees as Mm -hmm. all men should (laughs) (laughs) sure yeah it's sexy is it yeah he is definitely hotter than the guy that played him in hollywood yes i hated that guy's face (laughs) so much he had a really dumb face like you know when people just kind of look dumb it was not fun not good ryan murphy we will be suing (laughs) we have a lot to sue ryan murphy for yes have you told the listeners how you're watching glee for the first time and forcing me to rewatch it against my will so that is all we will say about it because we can talk about it more in the media (laughs) wrap-up okay okay uh anyway (laughs) so i suppose in conclusion Uh, I assume that you've probably already watched this movie or at least are considering watching this movie if you're listening to the podcast. Uh, But if you like this movie, you might have also heard about some movies that it inspired, such as Fassbinder's Fassbinder's (laughs) Soul or Todd Haynes's, what's it called? It's something else with heaven in it. Is it Far From Heaven? Is that another one? Yes, Far From Heaven. If you haven't seen those, check them out. They're kind of both like responding to this movie in interesting ways. Uh, one of them is modernizing it. One of them keeps it in the 50s, but tries to like talk about the p- people that are excluded from this movie. Uh, they both talk about interracial 
relationships far from heaven also has like gay people in it yeah i don't know it would be interesting to put them in contrast to this movie is if anyone was interested so check them out also check out last christmas let us know how it is similar to this movie uh so in conclusion we have a patreon patreon.com slash salmon salmon casey yes you can go you can give us money you can get access to bonus stuff you can challenge us to a jewel Mm. uh ryan murphy if you are listening to us you can actually challenge us to a jewel for free (laughs) (laughs) ryan murphy i actually challenge you to a jewel yes so hit Um, me up about that i'm waiting um you can go to our website sam and casey's movieclub.wordpress.com for all of our show notes and previous episodes and blah 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 you can send us an email talking about how you hate us at mm. what is it uh, sam and casey movie club at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at sam and casey pod you can find me on Twitter at Cosmic Jellies. And I'm on Twitter at Casey Nessa. And I think both our letterbox are the same as our Twitter handles. So follow yeah. us on there. If so you, you should be able to find those. And yeah, please let us know how much you hate us. Any complaints, any suggestions. Thank mm-hmm. you for listening. Uh, bye. bye.